0: How gloriously complete is the salvation wrought for us by Christ. Christ paid the penalty and he merited the reward. So says Jay and machin Welcome to The Pactum. This is Pat Avendroth with Mike Grimes. And on today's episode, we're talking about the perfect life of Christ. It's going to be a great episode.
1: Yes, today continues our series on the gospel called Gospel Doctrines. If you recall, the last episode was on the incarnation, and this comes from a need to be more deliberate with doctrines that are vital. Uh, to the gospel, given that it is of first importance, as we read in 1 Corinthians 15. So we've already talked about the incarnation. We'll have episodes including the life, death, resurrection, and the ascension of Christ.
0: Come on, people. The gospel's of first importance. We've got to know what the gospel is, and we also need to know uh, the vital doctrines associated with the gospel. That's why we're doing life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Yep, for sure. Mike, did you hear the news?
1: No, I haven't. What's the, what's the news?
0: Is according to one Pactum listener and I double checked. Not that I didn't not that I don't trust Pactum listeners, <laughs> but I did fire up the Google machine and I did check top ten words from Miriam Webster for twenty twenty three. Yeah. Guess what made the top ten on the top ten list of words? I have no idea. Well, it's pactum, pactum? approved pactum? because it's covenant. No way. How about them for apples. serious, yeah, and they even covenant. did a good job when I looked it up. They defined it as a formal, solemn, and binding binding agreement. There you go. That's Pactum approved. Pactum approved. I can get behind that.
1: It's probably because of the Pactum's influence that far reaches all dictionary searchers in the globe.
0: Of course it is. Of course, of course yeah. it is. Now <laughs> you may be wondering what was the number one word. I wish it would have been covenant, yeah, but it wasn't. Uh, it was. Authentic. Oh no! <laughs> it's not oh, quite. No. It's not quite journey. Oh but no! Authentic. authentic. Well, thank you for listening today to a very authentic, authentic episode. episode. We think our listeners are authentic, and we would authentic. like to be oh, authentic man. too. Authentic Is- was everything there for a while in the evangelical
1: <laughs> goobly garb. Man. Isn't
0: it interesting how great words somehow have to become sort of outlawed in our vernacular because. We're just that way. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh. I, I, you know, I, on Sunday mornings, so many times I want to say it is our great privilege to gather, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I've, I've nixed it. I don't say privilege yeah, anymore. Privilege, yeah. it, it'll come back. But for the sure. time being, let's get into our authentic discussion authentic with our authentic dis- listeners <laughs> between your two <laughs> very authentic guests yeah. as we talk about matters relating to the pactum, to covenant. But actually, today we're talking about gospel doctrines and we're focusing on the life of Christ. Right.
1: Yep. That's right. Okay. So, why are we keeping the list? We'll, we'll start off with some of our questions that we've got here. The first one why are we keeping the list so short when l- it comes to the vital Christian doctrines?
0: Yeah. So, the list is short, we're keeping it lean. Not because we are at this point in time. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) So why are we keeping the list short? We're talking about life, death, resurrection, ascension. We included one on incarnation because we're not Grinches, and we're recording this in December, so we thought it'd be good to do that. Mm -hmm. Joking aside, it's actually vital. You can't have the life of Christ without without the incarnation. Right. But having said that, we want to keep it lean because sometimes people, you know, we ask someone what the gospel is, and somehow the gospel is everything that's important. Mm. And that's not quite right. It's it's a first important, but right. the gospel yeah. is not everything that is important. Right, right. So it, the fruit of the gospel is important. Yes. Uh, yeah. What happens as a result of the gospel is important. Uh, the way we respond to the gospel with faith, um, uh, it, that's that's important. Yes, yeah. But those things aren't the gospel. Right. The gospel is the good news about Jesus and his work. Mm, yeah. So that's what the gospel is. It is the, the good news about Jesus, the good news about what Jesus is. Did and what Jesus accomplishes for sinners like us. Hmm, So we want to be very deliberate um, on that, and we want to elaborate on things that would would relate to that, Hmm. keeping it lean. I may have mentioned this on a previous episode. I don't remember. My mind is a blur. (laughs) But uh, I I sat in that class with R.C. Sproul, and he had us go around the room and say, we had to say what the gospel is. And there were all kinds of different answers to the question. I went for the lean version. Um, I probably wouldn't have, not very many years before that, but Hmm. we are learning, Mike. Yeah,
1: yep. Sometimes that lean is... A lot better, cleaner, succinct.
0: Let's know what it is and be clear about that. Yes. And uh, it'll help us with our understanding as Christians. It'll help us with, uh, as people who are church members, we want to know what the mission of the church is. And the mission of the church is to pro- to preach Christ, to preach the gospel, to defend the gospel, to preach the law as well. Hmm. Um, but knowing that will help us to realize that just doing good things uh, isn't necessarily the gospel. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. so,
1: yeah, so when we talk about the life of Christ here on this episode, what makes the perfect life of Christ a vital gospel doctrine? Why are we including it on this series?
0: How about if we do it two ways, but we 're going to focus on the latter, so obviously he we need the perfect life of Christ to be a, for the gospel to be true because we need a perfect sacrifice hmm. right, yep. Yep. yep the spotless, spotless lamb the lamb, lamb. Yeah. without blemish. I find it fascinating when you read the Old Testament and look, you have to offer a lamb without blemish. Mm. In some ways, I want to f- say it's the lamb with least blemishes. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. There, there would not there be a perfect a, one. It yes. needed to not be, you know, flawed, but. Ultimately, even the best of the best were not the best. They anticipate the ultimate one is right. Christ. So first of all, we want to make sure we have uh, the perfect life of Christ. He, he needed to be perfect to qualify. That's absolutely true. Yes. Um, to make atonement for our sins. Absolutely, that's true. But what we're focusing on the episode today is the fact that we need the perfect life of Christ, uh, and it is a vital Christian doctrine, it is a vital gospel doctrine because, how about this, wait for it, listen carefully, because God requires more than nothing, because God requires (laughs) more than zero. (laughs) And what we mean by that is, yes, we're going to do a death episode, and it's important that we have the substitutionary death of Christ to make atonement, which brings forgiveness, Absolutely vital. Yes, yeah. But on this episode, we're focused on the life of Christ, the life that he lived, a life of obedience as our substitute. And we need that because God requires more than zero. Hmm. So we have forgiveness. And so our, our slate is swept clean, if you will, wiped clean. But but now what? How yeah. how, how do we gain a right standing before God, how, how is it that we're justified? Well, it's not by mere forgiveness or atonement, and I don't want to sound like I'm sliding atonement and forgiveness. Sure, right, right. As Mike and I like to say on the pactum, we have a lot of sins that need atonement. <laughs> yes, okay? yes. There's a lot of atoning that needs to be done, yes, yeah. a lot of forgiveness, and that's true for all sinners. But we're focusing on the life of Christ, the life of obedience uh, that Christ lived. That is vital, and Mm. it is vital because we need a perfect substitute. We We need someone to do all of the obeying for us, to merit eternal life. I'm um, using all different ways of saying the same thing. Right. Yeah. Ma- Machin puts it this way. Uh he has not merely paid the penalty of Adam's first sin and the penalty of the sins which we individually have committed, but also he has positively merited for us eternal life. Hmm. Yeah. So Let's look at some texts that yes. talk about this this business, this matter of what God requires. So God doesn't require zero. He doesn't say, hey, you know, spiritually, just be lethargic. Right, right. Be, be neutral. Right. Uh, you, you actually are called, we are called, every single person is called by God to do something, and that would be to obey his commandments. Yes, right,
1: Yeah. How about a few texts here? Uh, Here's one that's a classic Pactum text we've talked about Mm -hmm. before. Uh, Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God.
0: Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. He requires those things. And so what happens if I don't do justice perfectly or I don't love kindness perfectly or I don't walk humbly with God perfectly? I don't meet the requirement. Right. There, there is no justification unless God is a compromiser, and we know that he's not a compromiser. Right. So we need a perfect life of Christ because of what the law requires.
1: Yeah. Psalm 119, 1 through 3, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong but walk in his ways.
0: Not feeling good about myself if that's all you. that I hear. I need someone to step in.
1: Yes, right. Yeah.
0: You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, yeah. I say it with a little bit of nervous laugh in my voice. Matthew 5:48 yeah. because that's not
1: happening. No, right.
0: No, not at all. We we go to Romans 2.13 quite often as well, because it's a good one to put us in our place to help us to say, I need a perfect life. Hmm. I need somebody else to offer a perfect life for me to be justified. It says in Romans 2.13, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Hmm. Again, it's an uh-oh kind of text, right. yeah. unless we're deluded and self-righteous. And then we say, you betcha. Yeah. <laughs> Right it's but it's not meant to be that in light of the context. Right right. Matthew 5:20 uh unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees righteousness means law keeping mm-hmm. um you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. We need a perfect substitute to live a perfect life, to do more than take our sins away and our guilt and provide atonement. Even though we really need that, we need a perfect, obedient substitute. We could look at John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 if we had more time, Um, but we don't want to keep things dragging because we've all got places to be.
1: So yeah, with all those texts, I mean, you see, we have, we have a righteousness problem here. We need perfect obedience to God's law, and we have failed to do that. We're a bunch of lawbreakers, not a bunch of law keepers. And so the life of Christ is of utmost importance. Yep, I like
0: that. We have a righteousness problem. Yes. <laughs> we have a disobedience problem, but not only a disobedience problem, we're not positively doing the right things. Yes, we yeah. summarize it by saying loving God and love neighbor. We need a perfect life. On, to be lived on our behalf, so that it is a gospel doctrine. We do not have good news if we don't have the perfect life right. of Christ for us. Yes. Next yeah. question. Yeah. What is... Look, at my Mike was all breathing in, ready to go. I was ready to go with it. I'm going to snatch it from him. I'm going to snatch it and let him give the answer for it. <laughs> we like to keep things changed up a little bit you here and there bit. on the pactum. What is, <laughs> <laughs> what's the biblical support? Right. right. So we've been we've been saying that he requires perfection. Right. How about biblical support for Christ actually meeting the obligation? So we see the biblical we've seen the biblical support for what is required. Mm-hmm. But how about actually showing actually proving that Jesus meets the obligation?
1: Right. A text that I think often people go to and look at, we've looked at it here on the Pactum in previous episodes, Matthew 5.17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So it hasn't come to do away with all that, say that law stuff is no good, throw it out, forget it. Uh, but he's come to do them, to fulfill them for us on yep. our behalf as Absolutely. our substitute, even in his life of law-keeping.
0: Yep. He fulfills all of it, which would include the obligations of the law. Right. So yeah. So there's that. Speaking of, you were talking about on different episodes of the Pactum. Mike, did you realize this is episode 150?
1: Oh, I didn't even realize it's is
0: 150 there, Is there like a certain stone or a gem or precious what is metal? The precious metal that is for I mean, 150 I've ne- uh, Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't think anybody has a 150-year <laughs> anniversary since a long, long time ago. Right, right. Since the fathers. Since- <laughs> <laughs> so ha- happy anniversary. We made it to 150. That's good. Maybe at 200 will do something special. There you go. But in the meantime – yes. First John chapter two verse one. If you don't know this passage, you should know this passage. But having said that, I think I used to know it without knowing it, uh, sure. because when you think about it in pactum esque terms, because did you know, Merriam Webster has as a top ten word covenant, covenant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Hmm. Even 1 John defines in chapter 3, sin is lawlessness. So, So he's saying, don't violate the law, don't sin. But if anyone does sin, if anyone does break the law, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous, hmm, in other yeah. words, the law keeper, because that's what that word means. Probably say more about that later. But, oh, Hallelujah! Yeah, that's love, a word. I love. That's a word I don't say very often. <laughs> hallelujah. I mean, it's true though. First <laughs> John two one. That's that's good. How is right? Because we're we're going to sin, so now we have a, a breach in the perfect relationship, if you will. Um, and it appears that way anyway. So, how do we solve the problem? Well, we solve the problem. Through substitution, it's Mm. another, and he's not just any old another, to use bad English. The substitute, the advocate that we have is the righteous. Mm. So he has obeyed and kept the law on our behalf. And so what's that look like, Pactum listeners? That looks like... He in our place can can be there as the advocate, as the mediator, and say, "Mike Grimes, yeah, he is. He's he's definitely a sinner. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I claim him as my own. Mm. He's in Christ. He's united to be me by faith. And who am I? As if he needs to say. Right, but the right. reality, he needs to say it to us so we know the." Righteous, the perfect obeyer of God's law. Hmm. So he is actually the one who did Micah 6.8. Yes, right, yeah. Perfectly, personally, and perpetually on behalf of his people. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, Amazing. really, really fantastic. Hallelujah.
1: Yes. Good pronunciation of every syllable there. I like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, it's radio. <laughs> How about another text? Another uh, text. Romans proven. 5. Yeah. Romans 5.18 says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, one act of law keeping, because that's what the word means. One act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all, for mm. all men. Mm. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Mm. So we are in a right standing before God based upon Jesus' work by his act of obedience, right? Yep, yep. So it is his obedience. It is his doing. That's what leads to our being declared righteous, made righteous in the eyes of God. Uh, and, and if we, you know, if we read it in context, that's why we're justified by faith. Yeah. We're justified by faith. And so chapter five, verse one, we're justified right. by faith in Christ because of his obedience. Right. So keep the two together and you'll be thinking the right way. Now, Mike, there is an objection. People say, well, that says one act. Right. What is that and one act? People yeah. who don't like this doctrine of Christ's vicarious obedience on our behalf, through his life they say it says one act and so we and we know that the one act uh is referring to his death and so the life really isn't that important hmm. oh boy yeah what, what why why do people not like this doctrine i, yeah, I I'm, don't know. I'm getting ahead of a uh, i'm getting yeah, ahead right but yeah we'll get there just by way of pushback ever so quickly i would say well in actuality the one act is looking at, at the the whole the whole can we say kit and caboodle? What does that even mean?
1: I don't know what it means, but I say it all the okay, time. All right.
0: <laughs> it's, right? It's the whole ball of wax. Yeah. It's this whole life. It's a package deal. Yeah, so everything that Jesus did, and by shorthand, Paul's saying it's one act. Yes, uh, yeah. He's speaking holistically. I'm rather confident he's speaking holistically because sometimes justification is. Spoken of in terms of his death, like in Romans five nine, but sometimes it's spoken of in terms of other things, like in chapter four verse twenty five. Uh, justification is tied to resurrection, right? Yes, and so I'm already I'm already thinking more biblically when I say, "Hmm, the one act must include more than one thing, right? Yes, uh, one aspect. It's it's whole the whole person and work of Christ. Um, it's that's what it's talking about. There. Yeah, for so. sure." Crazy how hard people will work to somehow not believe a certain biblical doctrine. But mm-hmm. here on the Pactum, we are committed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, and that includes vital gospel doctrines: His life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension.
1: Right? Yep, for M-
0: sure. More biblical, biblical data, maybe at least one more text. Sure.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a whole lot going on. There's in a lot Chapter going on 10, in there. Right? Yeah. The, the problem is righteousness, right? Yes, God yeah. is righteous. He's a just judge, and he requires obedience, he requires adherence to his law. So the problem is. Unbelievers are ignorant of the righteousness of God. They don't understand the standard. They don't understand God uh, to to really come to him on his terms. So what do they do? They come up with their own laws. They seek to establish their own. So then, therefore, they don't submit to God's and they don't submit to God's provision either. Right? Maybe put it another way. If I don't understand that God requires absolute strict obedience, uh, I'm going to say, well, God requires something, but not that. Hmm. And maybe I can do the that. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but if that's the case, I'll never say, woe is me, I'm undone. I need to look to someone who is perfectly righteous that God provides. I'm never going to do it because I think I can do it on my own. Right. Right. So he's really stressing the uh unscalability of that standard, if you will. Hmm. Um And yet the contrast was awesome. You know, it's either in verse 4, it's either righteousness for those who believe, or in verse 5, it's the righteousness... For those who obey. Yeah, right. And we know that we don't live up to the standard of righteousness for those who obey, so we want to be those who have righteousness because we believe. Yes, right. Right? And in the context, it's those who believe in Christ. Yes, yep. The righteous. Christ, the righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It gets a little confusing in where he talks about going up and going down and all that, but I think the takeaway and the simple way to understand it is... It's not any efforts of, of ours. Mm. It's not like we're going to climb our ladder up to heaven. Right, right. And so what it is, is it's Christ becoming one of us, descending, coming here. He's the one that does all the, the working. Yes, right. B- by, by condescending, by coming down here, by doing it for us. So if you read verses six and following that way, it's, mm. not, it's not that complicated no. at all. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. So so I think we could stop there, but I think we can safely say at this point in time, the Bible does teach that Jesus Christ is the righteous. He is the perfect law keeper, and he does the law keeping on behalf of everyone who would ever believe, which is why we trust in him. And when we trust in him, we're declared righteous, even though we're not righteous. We need the life of Christ. Yes, we need the death of Christ. We also need The life of Christ, because apart from the life of Christ, we have no hope because we have no positive righteousness. Right. That's what we're saying. Yes, for sure. Most certainly.
1: Uh, What happens when we deny, forget, or maybe even ignore the perfect life of of Christ as a vital gospel doctrine?
0: R.C. Sproul would say all sorts of mischief. All
1: sorts of mischief.
0: (laughs) And we're going to say it's going to be all sorts of mischief happens when we forget this, we deny this, we ignore this, it, it, it ends up being gobbledygook. Mm. It ends up being a theological problem, right? Yeah, for sure. Because we forget to see that God, the Bible's requirements for perfect righteousness, what do we do with them? I mean, they're they're mm, confusing yeah. at mm-hmm. best, or if you are confused, you, you can become a pretty dangerous Bible reader, a pretty dangerous Bible teacher. Sure, yeah. Because if you're honest, the I mean, Psalm 119, yeah, right. it requires perfect perfection yeah absolutely and guess what? what what are we going to tell people then what are we going to going to conclude on our own hearts if we're honest and we read that the bible requires absolute perfection and you tell people well you've been forgiven of violating that hmm. yeah but but pastor it still requires absolute perfection mm-hmm. and pastor have you read romans 2 13 right so and we're, we're gonna fail if we don't say oh the answer is Jesus Christ because he lived a perfect life of obedience on your behalf. Uh, So when we don't have the straight, We're going to be confusing. We're going to be confused. Uh, Law gospel categories are going to be collapsed. Yes. And so when you think about people who are resistant to law gospel kinds of categories, Mm -hmm. it might be because they're confused about this. Right. If you're listening today, we don't want you to be confused. We have been confused before. Yep. So um, come on over. Water's warm. It's good. Right? (laughs) Um. Uh, What else will happen? Assurance won't make sense. I mean, there are people who say you can have assurance because Mm. they read Romans chapter eight, which is awesome. Yeah. We're thankful for blessed inconsistencies. But if you don't have a, a true biblical category for the vicarious in place of is what I mean there. Yeah. Life of Christ, his righteousness credited to sinners by faith. If you don't have that, you won't really make sense of assurance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just listened to a chapel message from a college, and the guy preached about assurance, or so he said. But all he really ended up doing is trying to take people's assurance away. Hmm, yeah. So assurance will not make sense if you don't understand the imputation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the active obedience of Christ. We're talking about the vital gospel doctrine, which is the substitutionary life of Christ. Yeah right? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing will happen if you don't understand this and you don't teach this, you're going to end up teaching weird things about the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. Why, why does it say righteousness? Does that just mean holy? Does that mean he's God? Is that a a label for deity? The answer is no, actually. Um, It it means adherence to law. Weird things are going to be taught about imputation. What is imputed? Well, we know, and the Bible teaches and we can substantiate it and it's true to the reformed tradition. Um, What's imputed? Christ's righteousness. What right. is that? His adherence to the law, his obedience to the law on behalf of his people. Not only that, the other bad thing that's going to happen, and then we'll move on because Mike's giving me the look like, hey, pal, <laughs> don't do this forever. But with all sorts of mischief, Mike.
1: Yeah, it's all sorts. A, of another mischief.
0: sort of mischief that will result if we don't have this straight and we don't have it sorted out is that the gospel, yes, the gospel is going to be missing a vital aspect. Right. Yeah. If we say the gospel is the only true aspect of the gospel is the death of Christ, that's not simply not true. And you say, Oh yeah, but it's death, death, and resurrection. Okay, good, we're we're getting better. Right. right. But what happened to the ascension? Right. Oh, that'll be in a couple episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but not only that, what happened to the life? You're missing something. You're missing yeah. something vital. And God doesn't require that everyone's forgiven and now gets a mulligan, like Rick Warren says. It's not a do-over. It's not a a start-over. No, we have the life of Christ given to us, a life of obedience, so that the perfect obligation of righteousness is met by another. It's how we can have justification, sola fide, by faith alone in the finished work of Christ alone. Right?
1: Mm. Yep. Yep. Who? this is exciting. It is. Good stuff. So why in the world would—why would anyone and who— would oppose this.
0: Oh, are we going to talk about that? The
1: who's? Yeah. I don't know. I just threw that in there. We may not. I think we should talk about we could, it. We can throw some names in here Who and there, was, but why, why let, would you Let's start
0: this? off by being nice, Mike. Okay. Because well, yeah, you know good. what? We're we'll nice. nice. Yeah. And it's nice to be nice. It is nice to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> People are go- going to oppose this if they don't know about it.
1: Yeah. Just perhaps, out of ignorance. Right? right.
0: It, the first time you hear something – oftentimes you think, I don't think that's right. Because if it were right, I'd know it by now. Mm, yeah. Yep. Especially with people who maybe have been Christians for a long time. Maybe they've gone to churches where they've not emphasized the life of Christ and the substitutionary life of Christ and the act of obedience of Christ. They're going to hear this and go, say what? Mm, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Um, so it, maybe you're that kind of person and and somebody pointed you to this episode and we're glad you're here. <laughs> We're trying to help people like you because we've been people like you, probably, to overcome um, what I might call word searchianity.
1: Oh, word searchianity, I like that. People do word searches.
0: Or? Word searches are good, <laughs> but you know, Christianity is based upon more than simple word searches, right? Yeah. So we might be saying, "Yeah, this is all about the active obedience of Christ," but that's just a theological label uh, to kind of capture the things we've been talking about from biblical texts. Mm. So it's, it's important that we have biblical texts, but we have to put them in certain categories. The Bible's not uh, theological alphabet soup. Uh, it, it actually fits together logically, right. coherently. It's meant to by God to do that. So I think some people would resist uh, what we're talking about because they just haven't heard about it before. Mm, yeah. I've ran into people like that. Um, First time I hear something, I think, I don't know if that's right or not. Hmm, We want to be discerning. Yeah, we do. Maybe another reason why people would oppose the things we've been talking about would be because uh, they don't – maybe they didn't do a word search in this case and look it up in a a dictionary. They don't know what righteousness is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many people I've met and have conversations with or even preachers I've listened to and they describe righteousness as something – they either don't describe it. Or it's something other than adherence to law. Hmm. But that's what it means. It has to do with the legal obligations. We are obliged uh, to obey God's law, to love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's, that's what it means to be righteous. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Uh, unrighteous would be violation of God God's standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so just basic things like this, uh, for those of you who listen who are pastors— uh, we we would encourage you to work hard at explaining things to people, right, and it doesn't yeah. have to be boring, and it doesn't have to be belabored, and you don't have to say, "Well, according to Bauer, Art and Gingrich," <laughs> and you don't have to give them all the Greek, you know, lexical things, but just know basic things like the word "righteous" is used a ton in the Bible or right. some variation of it. That that's legal. Right. Um, yeah. adherence to law. So if we don't know that, all the righteous date, data, if you will, we're, we're going to have it not make sense, and it won't make sense why we need to have Jesus live the life of obedience to the law on our behalf.
1: Yeah. So this is something even, you know, we can help people with these first categories of why anyone would oppose this. Yep. Because yep. we can help people understand, we can help people under- know these things, understand what words mean. And so that's something we would want to do, we'd encourage pastors
0: to do, because yep. it's just ignorance. And we're, we're not in scolding mode at this point. No, no. We're not saying, you're so dumb you're for not knowing this. Right, no. No, but let's get good at making even maybe somewhat complex things simple. Right, yeah. Another reason why people would oppose the reality of Christ's substitutionary life would be uh, they, they just don't like justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Hmm. I mean, there are whole religious systems, Roman Roman Catholicism, is that officially on the books. So it would make sense to me why they would resist this. It doesn't make sense to me why Protestants would resist this. No, no. Because on the books, Protestants are supposed to affirm justification (laughs) sola fide uh, through faith alone. So there's that. Maybe there's there are those Protestants, though, like Roman Catholics, uh, who don't like the things we've been talking about because they're afraid that people won't behave. Mm, yeah, right. If we let the word out. If you really let them know. Christ lived the perfect life that you could never live, and his perfect obedience is credited to you, so you will never be, in the eyes of God, more righteous than you are right now, hmm. because that's what justification entails. Right. Well... People like Richard Baxter will Hmm. say we we can't tell people that he did not like this doctrine. He was a a foe, uh, no friend of this. He was a foe of this doctrine. He he said, if this is true, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, then obedience by Christians would be needless.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: And we would say, no, obedience comes because we're safe. We're in the family. Right. We've had a faithful elder brother, if you will, think Hebrews chapter two, who's Earned our way into the family, if right. you will. Yeah. So, but but he's one who wouldn't like this doctrine, mm-hmm. and it makes sense that he doesn't like assurance, and it makes sense that people who love them, some Richard Baxter, aren't probably very clear about assurance. Sure. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, Mike? And this is not an episode on assurance, but isn't it interesting that according to like Romans eight one, Romans five one, um, we we can have assurance at the beginning of our Christian life. Yes. Yep. We sure can. It just blows my sure mind. Can. Yeah. Maybe we can have more assurance later because we've seen the work of the spirit sure in our life. Fruit, yeah. Um, but that's secondary. First and foremost, because of the finished work of Christ is his life, death, resurrection, and now his ascension. Yeah. We have, we have assurance.
1: Yeah. We have peace with God. We have no condemnation. Present I mean,
0: possession. It's... Yeah. That's what and Romans eight just goes on and oh, on. Yeah. Nothing can undo this, unstop this. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Have I said hallelujah? Yet you
1: today? did earlier.
0: You can say it. Again. You know, I don't, that's not a word I use very often because, <laughs> kind of like growing up and watching Christians and charismatics. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, they they say words like that. And I'm like, I'm never going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right? coming around, like like when people abbreviate PTL, praise the Lord. I oh. think of the like the PTL scandals. Okay. <laughs> and Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and all that stuff. I I can't bring myself to write PTL. I don't. Yeah. No but if you are a person who writes ptl good for you we just praise the, we praise the Prayed lord for, for you <laughs> <laughs> okay oh uh, well, other people wouldn't like this because they really don't understand the humanity of christ and why it's vital that we have hmm. the deity and humanity of christ that relates to episode 149 we talked about the incarnation uh, lots of christians don't know why it's important that he be one of us. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So Hebrews chapter two talks about this. FF yep. yep. um, F. Bruce, uh, the new Testament scholar who's in heaven now, he said, Oh, back in the 1970s that he thought this was something that to quote him, this is a besetting heresy of evangelical Christians. Hmm. And he's likening it to, uh, to Darby and his deviant Christology, which seemed to lack a robust, um, Doctrine of the humanity of Christ. But if you don't have a robust humanity of Christ view, uh, it won't make a lot of sense why he needs to obey the law on behalf of other human beings as a substitute. Right. Yeah. So there's that. I also, I'm a little sympathetic too, because for so long, I think evangelicals were fighting. They're fighting against theological liberals, theological leftists who are anti-supernaturalists. Yeah. Right. So those folks are okay with the humanity of Christ they just don't like the deity. The, yeah, right. And so you've got evangelicals needing to fight for the deity of Christ, and it's actually biblical, and it's actually right. And not only that, we've got people like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. And so we have to know the right verses to go to when they come and knock on our door, all that stuff. And we've maybe fallen asleep at the wheel, and we've forgotten about humanity. Mm. Yeah. Both are right. I forgot who said it. Maybe you remember. Uh, when you think of his humanity, it's a good time to start thinking of his deity. And mm. when you start thinking about his deity, you should be thinking of his humanity.
1: Uh, I can't recall who said that, but uh, I've heard that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, you could make something, huh? I could. I could. Sinclair Ferguson, probably. <laughs> I probably heard him say that. And that was true. And he said it with a great accent. <laughs>
1: I don't recall. Okay. But it is true. Uh, this question here, a little bit of pushback with this question. Uh, if the life of Christ is a vital gospel doctrine, then why is it not always mentioned in Scripture when the gospel is taught? So we don't always hear life, death, resurrection of Christ in Scripture. So why not?
0: It's true. It's true. And that's because you know, every text of Scripture doesn't say everything that's true. Right, right, yeah, right. So sometimes I, I love the I love the question and the pushback. Sometimes the Bible stresses death and only death. Hmm. Yeah, right, right, yeah. To preach Christ crucified, to know not, nothing among you among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. Well, Paul, did you forget about the resurrection? Right. No. no, no. Um, there's that, and there's good reason why he's emphasizing what he's emphasizing. But let's use that just as an example. <laughs> In another text, he's going to emphasize the resurrection yes, and right. how vital the resurrection is. And you, the death is meaningless without the life, mm-hmm. and it's all meaningless without the virgin conception and incarnation and the hypostatic union. I mean, it all goes it together. It all goes together, right? It's all one yes. thing. Yes, and sometimes one is emphasized over the other. Uh, and so I think it's good to just think in terms of the work of Christ yes, is yeah. a whole, but we can take it apart, if you will, to look at different aspects. Hmm, and, yeah. I, and I'm not going to be one who, you know, is going to think, oh, no, you know, Mike Grimes preached a sermon and he forgot to talk about the act of obedience of Christ. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But if it happens two weeks in a row, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll make some notes here, Hold on real quick. I give it-
0: <laughs> We're going to overstate that, but yeah. hopefully you get the idea. So, right. so don't become that person. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, all of it's important. Yes, all of it is vital. And maybe to a fault, I want to emphasize the different aspects to help people, um, yeah, come along. Sure. So we'll wrap it up here with
1: some resources we might recommend uh, on the life of Christ being a vital gospel doctrine. The first resource we would recommend uh, is out of this book, Covenant Theology. There is an appendix. On the I know that obedience. book. I know, you that, know book. that book. Yeah,
0: I know that book. And not only that, I mean, it's fitting because Merriam-Webster they they they, they like covenant. Covenant. You know, I wonder if maybe that's why. That's why the There's word so covenant is so important in 2023 for the book. It's because of the book covenant that's theology. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is an appendix on the act of obedience of Christ that you might find helpful. Yes, I think so you will. You can listen to Pactum episodes 23 and 24. Those are from the COVID chronicles. The COVID
1: chronicles. <laughs>
0: My voice sounds a little weird and uh, Mike and I aren't together. (laughs) We should should have been together because you're the one that gave me COVID. Well,
1: I, you know, I do my
0: best. (laughs) (laughs) So they are called active obedience. One active obedience Two. yeah. Yeah. We try to keep it simple, not real creative, (laughs) but you can listen to those. I think those are some of our more popular episodes in the history of the pactum. Mm -hmm. So you can check those out. Anything by you're going to find tons by R.C. Sproul. You just do Google. Google, Google, yep. Search sprawl, Act of Obedience. Yeah, you'll find it's going to be there. He's going to be clear on we don't have the gospel if we don't have these things. Yep. Check out the confessions as well. There's a book by Brandon Crowe, I think is how you pronounce it, C R O W E, mm-hmm. called Why Did Jesus Live a Perfect Life? Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that to be edifying and helpful. Uh, John Murray's book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, also talks about the act of obedience of Christ. Yep. And then we will link to an article by Jay Gresham Machen called The Act of Obedience of Christ. He kind of follows right. our style, there you go. right? Simple, Pretty straightforward. Straightforward. <laughs> but, I, but I like that one.
1: Yeah. We'll make sure to link to those resources in the show notes. We want to thank you for being a part of the Pactumverse. As always, you can find more information on the Pactum, find some resources on the thepactum.org. You can find us on X at the Pactum, Instagram at the Pactum Theology, and also you can email us, connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you next week on the pactum